Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Since we came on the air at 6 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the Magic Picture Box on ESPN News, everything you just heard there from Jay and Keyshawn was said in the first hour of our program. There is so much to get to. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests will join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including Raptors head coach Nick Nurse at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. And we have to start with the Clippers. Key, great game for Paul George. Great game for Kawhi. Oh, by the way, I want to mention this. I'm watching the game last night, right before they're about to tip. The Nuggets and the Jazz are over. They're showing a picture of Kawhi just warming up, swigging the Gatorade. It says on the screen, Kawhi Leonard, this series, 33.0 points. He's been a beast. 10.0 rebounds. And I'm like, wait a minute. We've been on the air for like seven or eight days, essentially since the playoffs started. We've spent so much time talking about Luka, deservedly, so much time talking about what's wrong with Paul George when nothing is wrong with Paul George. We'll get to that in about 15 minutes or so. But the reality is we have slept on the NBA MVP of the finals with a new team, new city, going 33-10. and Anybody else going 33-10 and with the big market team? We're talking about it. It's the first time I actually noticed it. Well, it's quiet leadership. It's, right? That's and, it. Right? That, and when you don't speak and you don't give sound bites, people don't concentrate on that. They concentrate on guys that are outspoken that's cooking. I mean, that's just what it is. And, and we all know who he is as a player. There's no question about it. And we had this conversation about him potentially being the best player in the NBA. If he had a different type of personality, you get kicked up a notch or two. I mean, it's just – that's the reality of sports. There's been so many other things that we've been focusing on. And look at what people focus on media-wise, like the sexy things, the yeah. shiny objects, yes. right? And look, as a basketball purist, like he mimics Michael Jordan. I don't know if people see this. When you watch him play, the moves he makes are very Michael Jordan-like. Mm. The way he operates in the pinch post, the way he shoots step backs, uh, the way he really elevates with the two-point shot. His game is probably one of the most similar we've seen to Michael Jordan since Kobe Bryant. We should also mention that Doc Rivers, after the game, much like LeBron the other night, had a little bit of interest in talking about the team's latest win. LeBron with the other L.A. team. Doc, of course, with this particular L.A. team, the Clippers. But when he sat down to talk virtually to the media via Zoom, he wanted to make sure that, yes, it was a basketball game. And, yes, we are on the verge of going to the second round. They've never even been to the third round. They've never been to the Western Conference Finals in their 50-year history, the Los Angeles Clippers, if you think about that. Never what been. do you mean, really? You love that as a Laker fan. <laughs> that, that's a really where you're just saying really? it to be sarcastic. Really? Really. I, I thought oh, Blake I, in, in Lob City, I, I just, I don't know. You're a bad person. <laughs> I will mention, though, right before we hear from Doc Rivers, I just want to give you a little context to Doc. Doc's father, Grady, was a police officer for 30 years in Maywood, Illinois, just west of Chicago, predominantly black working class neighborhood. So I just want you to have that as some context as you begin to hear Doc saying the Mutual Admiration Society in America for many is alive and well, but for many people and black people, it is not the case. All you do is keep hearing about fear. It's it's amazing to me why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. And it's just, it's really so sad. Like, I should just be a coach. And it's so often 
reminded of my color. We're the ones that need to be scared. We're the ones having to talk every to every black child. What white father has to give his son a talk about being careful if you get pulled over? It's, it's just ridiculous. And it just keeps getting, it keeps going. Uh, there's no charges. Breonna Taylor, no charges, nothing. All we're asking is you live up to the Constitution. That's all we're asking for everybody, for everyone. Thank you. The Clippers can wrap it up tomorrow night on ESPN 9 Eastern Time. That seems like such a secondary topic. He talked about the speech that you have to give your kids. Obviously, he's got a son in the mm-hmm. NBA. He also has a, a daughter uh, that is a high-performing athlete herself when they were growing up in the Orlando area when Doc was down there. You have a son in his 20s, and you were telling me earlier today that for people that are listening that have never had to give that speech, I mean, my father never talked to me about that. I presume most of the audience has not had that conversation with their parents about just going out and enjoying a Friday night when you're a teenager or a kid, but you said for sure you've got an eight-year-old who you're going to talk to about that, and you've got a 20-something-year-old who you've had that conversation with, and you've been personally affected yeah, by uh, it. Multiple times. Keyshawn, I, if anybody know me, when he was at the University of Nebraska, at this point in time, several years ago, he was caught smoking weed. I snatched his butt. I almost said curse, but I snatched his butt out of class and made him come home. He, he took him out of school. Right. Um, because, you know, you just want to be a dad. You want to be there and teach him. And, and having a conversation seems like every day about his whereabouts, what are you doing, who are you with, where are you going, remember to do this. They don't care about you, just I'm telling you. You know, and, it, and it, it's a different type of message that I'm delivering to him, and it's painful because I know at any given moment anything could potentially happen. You know, if he's not aware you know, if you driving and they pull you over, make sure you roll down your window before they get up on your car. And I want you to put both hands out the window and allow them to tell you what to do. Don't do anything that you're not supposed to do. And if you're not far away, I want your butt to pull in the gas station where there's plenty of light at night and plenty of people around. It's okay to go a block or two. Don't just pull right over. I try, try to have a conversation with him because it's important. That's the same conversation that my mother had with me mm-hmm. when I first got started driving and had my car. Is to make sure that you go into a grocery store parking lot or you make sure to go into a gas station because we that that was our only real security was for people. We thought, so to speak, that with people seeing and people out, that nothing would happen. Witnesses. Witnesses. So, but clearly, that's not the case. You know, it's like, okay, if I still pull into a parking lot with people around, they don't care nowadays. They could care less. You know, Key, when I was in college, uh, I was driving with one of my friends. He was from South Carolina, and he was Italian, and he was driving. And we were driving the road around 1030, and we, we both got, we got pulled over. I've never seen this before. And this is the difference, okay? Because I'm curious to how you would react to this, Key. So I'm in a passenger seat. He's in the driver's seat. Get pulled over by the cops. You know, the big light is on behind you. The sirens are on behind you, right? Can't even and see. If, if you are, if you're African-American, like for me, especially as a male, like I tense up. Absolutely. Like my hands are like kind of like on the the headrest area. Like they're, they're up. I'm just keeping them up there because I don't yes. know what's about to happen. My boy gets out of the car. Yeah, no. That's a, that's a bad move. And starts walking back to the officer, right? So you can imagine me thinking, 
Yo, t- what, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do that. What are you doing? Walks up to the officer. The officer and him have a conversation. He gets back in the car and has his ticket. And then we drive away. I'm looking at him in awe. Like, what the hell just happened? You got out of the car and talked to the officer. He handed you a ticket. And now we're driving off. I would never in my mind think about walking out of the car. Never. I would no. have my hands up. I would have the music off, all the windows down. Just, and, But that's the way my father has taught me because I've also seen other friends that it, it, it naturally gets to that point. So just the difference of mindset that I think people can have due to the way that you were raised and the environments playing basketball. One of the things that I saw growing up, going to Newark, New Jersey, staying with friends, living in environments like that. You didn't have that luxury to do things like that. You know, Z, and, and, and I, you, it's never probably happened to you. I don't know. But if you're, if you're ever driving in your car and the lights are put on you, mm-hmm. it, it blinds you so you can't see them approaching. Mm-hmm. They can see in the car because it's really bright. Right. So you make sure to always put your hands up, things of that nature, because it just is very, very uncomfortable and it's bone chilling because at any moment anything can happen to make a reaction for them to do something to you and say, okay, this is why we did it. And, and you know, and for my son, though, it, it's scary, though, man, because he's young, he's young and he's still kind of naive. You know, he's, he's not out in the adult world working. He's still in school and naive a little bit, so it worries well, me. Well, that's the point. Think about how you react, right? Like teaching young people, this is how you need to react. Like that's the scary part. You don't know what somebody is. You don't know somebody's suffering from anxiety. You don't know if somebody yeah, has no issues, idea. right? So now all of a sudden, when you're scared, you have to have more control over your body about how you react and think instead of react. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. 
may not know his name, but he is one of the best defensive players in the league. You heard Adam Schefter talking about it right there. Yannick Ngakwe going from Jacksonville to Minnesota. How bad did he want out of Jacksonville, fellas? Jacksonville said, we'll give you $19 million a year right now if you sign. And he said, I will pass. So the Minnesota Vikings basically fortifying their roster here. Remember, defensive tackle Michael Pierce, that was their big free agency addition in the offseason. He's got asthma, high-risk player, so he's not going to be out there. On top of that $19 million that he passed on, he also took a pay cut from the Minnesota Vikings and said, okay, I'll come to you and I'll take $7 million less. How about that? You don't see that very often, but the Vikings are in search of their but first Super year, Bowl right? titles. He has one year, Yeah, but he still, still, but he still I, I left you. it on the table. That's how no, bad he wanted out of Jacksonville. No doubt about it. Can he be the piece that gets him over Tom the top Coughlin. to their first Super Bowl title? He's not there anymore. That's right. you got to be here five minutes early for the segment if you're going to talk about Tom Coughlin. Welcome back to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin <laughs> coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17 brought to you by Heineken. We're going to talk about Ngakwe here in just a second, but we're Joined by Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider. I want to start by talking about Jamar Chase. We were discussing him earlier this morning, Mike. You've been telling us on all your appearances when I see on ESPN all over the place how inextricably linked college football and the NFL are this year because of the pandemic. What do you make of the move by Jamar Chase joining Caleb Farley and Micah Parsons as three absolute studs that are saying we are done with college football? Well, Zubin, first of all, I've been in my chair for five minutes, so there's no Tom Coughlin fine for me today. So <laughs> let's just get that uh, squared away here. Jamar Chase is going to be a top 10 pick. And I'm going to say something that's a little bit uh, contradictory. From the lens of an NFL GM, I would love to see him play this year, get better, keep improving, route refinement. Key, you know all about that. LSU is obviously one of the most elite programs in the country. With that said... By not playing, he's still going to be a top 10 pick. I love his hands, his versatility, his intelligence. He's a great player. And maybe it was the pandemic that brought this to the surface, guys. But I think this is the tip of the iceberg. I think moving forward, if you're an elite top 10 player beyond reproach, I think we're going to see more of the Jamar Chases moving forward. At a skill position in particular, Mike, how many games – do we need to see to really get a true evaluation of talent? You know, Key, I don't think a lot because athletically, if you're fast, you can run, you can jump, you have great hands. Jamar Chase checks every box. And again, maybe the thing I like about his game the most is his versatility. You can move him all around so you know that he's smart, he's instinctive. He he has everything on tape that as a GM, you could turn the card and say, hey, this guy's ready to go. Now, as we get more into other positions, specifically offense alignment, much more of a developmental position, you want that player to get as many reps as possible. So I think moving forward, it could be a little position specific, but I think this bears repeating. Let's go back to what Joe Burrow tweeted about six weeks ago. If Joe Burrow did not play his last year at LSU, he may not have been drafted. Remember, he had to transfer out of Ohio State because he couldn't start there. And he had a very average first year at LSU. So it's a great reminder that football is a developmental sport. And for every Jamar Chase, there's a lot more than Joe Burrows. Is there any concern at all, Mike, about the system and having a number of NFL guys on the offensive side of the ball allowing Chase and those other receivers to be wide open, you know, pretty much throughout their careers? Yeah, it's a fair point. Absolutely. I mean, and and that's what makes – evaluating quarterbacks so hard. Baker Mayfield was prolific at Oklahoma. He struggled because 
those same looks just aren't there each Sunday in the NFL that we saw in Norman, Oklahoma. So Jamar Chase, though, I think because he's so physically gifted, I think he'll be able to handle getting pressed at the line of scrimmage in a tight man-to-man. I think he understands route nuances to a certain extent to defeat zone coverages. So his all his game is on tape. Again, from a GM lens, you'd like to see more of it. But because he's so good, he'll still be a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. Mike, Mike, let me ask you this. And, you know, obviously, Miles Brennan is going to be their new quarterback this year. Joe Burrow was so special last year watching how he played, throwing over 5,000 yards. If you are Jamar Chase... What better could you do? What more could you do to show you as a general manager of a team, considering that your quarterback could be exponentially not as good as he was the year prior? You know, Jay, Will, you bring up a really interesting point. Like, did he leave on a high note? And, you know, there's another quarterback that comes to mind, Jordan Love. You know, Jordan Love struggled last year. There was a coaching change. Utah State just wasn't as good in 2019 as they were the year before. So there is an argument. It's a really interesting point that you're bringing up, which is the notion is, could you be hurt by continuing play? And certainly no one, and maybe in the history of college football, may not play as well as what Joe Burrow did last year. They caught lightning in the bottle. It was well-coached, great players, and it all came together. So it is an interesting point, which is, hey, I'm going to rest on what I've done. I'm a top 10 pick. It can only go down from here. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, is joining us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Mike, right before you joined us, we were discussing the big move of the weekend. The casual fan may not know Yannick Ngakwe, but I think players around the league and talent around the league certainly does. The Vikings pick him up. They lost Everson Griffin. Remember, they ended up losing Michael Pierce, their big free agency acquisition because of asthma and COVID-19. He's high risk. Tell us what the addition of Ngakwe can do for Mike Zimmer and company. Oh, he's a great player. He is a young pass rusher, really hard to find. This makes Danell Hunter better on the other side, a good young pass rusher, because Hunter won't be double teamed as much. So I think this was really necessary for Minnesota. When you go back to the start of the offseason, they lost all three corners from last year, Rhodes, Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander. So when you're trying to replace three corners, the best way to cover that up is with a good pass rush. When they lose Griffin, getting Ngakwe was really important. And I think it says a lot about Minnesota that they can attract a player like Yannick Ngakwe, who also takes a pay cut. So I think they're all in for this year. And Ngakwe, again, because they lost three corners, was really necessary for them. Having been in that chair, Mike, in trading people, in signing guys and doing those sort of things, why would the Jacksonville Jaguars move on from him and get really low value opposed to doing it early on or doing it at the end of the season to get more value for a guy that they knew that they were not going to be able to sign. Yeah, Key, it's really disappointing from the Jacksonville Jaguar standpoint because here's a great young player from a franchise. This is what you want. You drafted him. You hit on a pick. He's a great player. He's a good person. So it's really a disappointing outcome that a player on a one-year deal is going to take less money to go play someplace else, especially when you have great facilities, tax-free Florida. Jacksonville should be a destination. So if I'm them, I'm taking a hard look introspectively to say, like, what could we have done better? What could we have done different? And clearly what you're saying makes all the sense in the world, which is let's go back to March. Let's get in the room with his agent. Let's try to hammer out a deal. And if we can't, let's trade him then. Because if the players trade before July 15th, then the franchise player can sign an extension, which means his value only goes up. So really, they sold him, excuse me, like in terms of trying to explain it from a 
transaction standpoint, they didn't sell at the highest. They, when they made this trade, they didn't get the best value they could have gotten. And if I'm Jacksonville, I'm taking a, a really hard look at ourselves and saying, what could we have done better? Mike, last thing for you. A lot of talk about Jason Peters. The Eagles have had a ton of attrition on the offensive line. This guy was a brilliant left tackle for so many years. Shifted over to right guard, but now he says, if you want me to go back to left tackle and protect Carson Wentz's blind side, I'm going to need a pay increase right here, right now. Take me inside what it's like when somebody in the front office like yourself hears something like that. I mean, what do you do? Well, Key and I have had those discussions. (laughs) Um, Yes, we have. (laughs) And look, you want to be as transparent as possible. And here's the challenge you have with Jason Peters. Jason Peters is a really good player. He's obviously an icon with that franchise. He may be in their ring of honor one day. And when they bring him back and say, hey, we want you to play guard. And he's like, well, wait a second. The guard market's different than the left tackle market. Those are really hard conversations to have. Maybe you put some incentives in there. You try to get creative. But Jason Peters is so well-respected in that locker room that you really have to figure out a solution. And when you lose a good young player like Andre Dillard and your franchise quarterback and Carson Wentz has been hurt before, you want to make sure that Jason Peters is happy and fulfilled. That's a tough situation if you're the Eagles front office, but you have to work really hard to solve it. I'm glad you know, Mike. I'm, I'm so glad you know. <laughs> if there is one thing, Mike, as you well know, Howie Roseman has navigated some incredible adversity over the years in Philly, so he's got another one on his plate here. That's ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum joining us this morning on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Key, no excuses for the Vikings. If you're going to get Ngakwe to add to the money, you've put the confidence in Kirk Cousins. You finally won that playoff game last year if you're Cousins for the first time. You made a little progress. So they don't have any excuses. What other teams in the league right now, total brass tacks, no excuses, got to get it done now? I think it's the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Minnesota. Go back to Minnesota for a minute. That defense is going to be ridiculous. Now, they need to shore up that back end. They got a guy in Mike Hughes who was a big-time player for them a couple years ago. He got a little bit of a neck injury last season, so he missed the playoff game. But he's a guy that could step in in the secondary for them. But then when you look at other teams, Seattle, there's no excuses there. San Francisco, no excuses there. There there, There's not going to be very many excuses up in New England as well once Mm. Cam Newton takes the reign and becomes – Cam Newton of old. Uh, outside of that, Dallas, would you da- Dallas, Dallas, Cow- Dallas Cowboys? Too? There's new head coach. Everybody's taken care of. Even though Dak didn't get the the, the long term deal, he still got the thirty plus million dollar uh, franchise tag money. So there's no excuses there. Um, Baltimore, probably no excuses there. Uh, you got the reigning MVP and Lamar Jackson. So. That's that's about it. Am I missing anybody? I, no, I, you know, think, you, I think you're about it. You I, could you could say Green Bay to a degree because mm-hmm. of Aaron Rodgers and they went to the NFC Championship game, but then there's so much going on around that team that from an offensive standpoint, they really don't have any surefire wide receivers outside Devontae Adams. Other than that, you kind of like you can go Chicago a little bit. Uh, the quarterback situation is up in the air, but the defense is still solid. Let me ask you this, Keith. Houston? Uh, as it relates to, to Minnesota, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, are they all in? Obviously, tra- you know, letting go of Diggs, I, I thought was pretty big, right? It, and, and, and Dalvin Cook being injured, having a history of being injury prone, isn't a lot based upon him being healthy and then maybe how Justin Jefferson plays? He got drafted from LSU. You, you, you certainly can replace a person's body, but not their production. And I think 
production-wise, Diggs was a big factor for them offensively. Dalvin Cook has been in and out of lineup, but when he's been on the field, he's been electric. And I think defensively, they're going to be solid and sound. Offensively, they just need Kirk Cousins to kind of drive the bus, so to speak, and don't screw it up. And he's been able to do that, but they continue to keep running into a little bit of a roadblock in the playoffs. If they can somehow figure out how to get out of their way, their own way defensively when it comes time to the playoffs, because you saw what San Francisco did to him last year, and it was kind of like, ooh. Mm. And that's not San Francisco. San Francisco didn't have an explosive offense at all, and they were able to just kind of – do whatever it is that they needed to do to him. That's right. They wouldn't even let Jimmy Garoppolo throw the damn ball. I think he threw, what was it, like seven times or something like that? It was just like, come on. You can do it, right? Ryan Tannehill, same thing. That defense, (laughs) has need. they need to be the core of that team. And I think Coach Zim will get it done. I, I really trust that Zim and that new staff know what to do. Let's get it done and talk NBA. But first, here's your Sports Center update. Oh, bad pass handled by Jokic. Gets it to Murray for three. 50! Give him 50 in game number six. Nuggets lead it by 10. 117 to 107. Let's go! Let's go to a game seven. Jason Kosminski, the voice of the Denver Nuggets on the Altitude Radio Network. Ho-hum, Jay. Just another 50-point game at 33 in the second half of the game last week. We got a Game 7 Tuesday night, 8.30 Eastern on ABC. I know you'll be there locked in, ready to go. Our first Game 7 of the NBA playoffs. I'm locked in. Over the past three games, Jamal Murray's been averaging 47 points per game, shooting over 60% from the field and the three-point line. Even Luka thinks that's impressive. And speaking of Luka, despite a 38-9-9 performance, Kawhi did him a little better, 33-14. and Kawhi's going 30-10 and 10 and nobody's talking about it. Clippers over the Mavericks, 111-97. They're advancing to the Western Conference semis. Key, we have learned this morning the Clippers your second favorite team. They're, they're in real good shape here to advance to the Ridiculous. conference finals for the Atrocious. first time in team history. Well, they, they're a California team, so I'm, I'm rooting for them if the Lakers don't get there. So does that mean, you were you rooting for Golden State with Kevin Durant and Steph? A- absolutely, because the Lakers are oh. the Clippers wasn't there, oh. so I gotta go to Golden oh. State. Oh. And if Sacramento was there, I'm rooting for no, Sacramento. I'm having bad dreams! <laughs> We got we to gotta help Jay out here. He's, he's feeling it. Last thing, the MLB trade deadline this afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern. The team that's been the most aggressive at this point by a mile has been the San Diego Padres, who haven't made the playoffs in 14 years. And if this is a season unlike any other, let's go for it. They got Austin Nola Sunday night in a seven-player deal. They already picked up Mitch Moreland. He's 34, but he's playing well this year. And the best available reliever on the market is Trevor Rosenthal. And they grabbed him as well. Are they he's, one of your favorite teams, too? They're in California. Dodgers are still in it. Okay. <laughs> Baseball tonight, trade deadline special, 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Sports Center is brought to you by Shell. Live sports are back, just like the rest of us. We're all getting back on the road. Stopping at a friend's place to watch the game or stopping to grab a bite at our favorite spot. Safely and socially distant, of course. And between those stops, there's always Shell to help you make the most of the stop you need to make. It's a pleasure to go to the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line and welcome in our man, ESPN NBA analyst Kendrick Perkins. He's brought to you by the new Ford Super Duty built Ford Tough. You know, Big Perk, Jay and I were talking earlier about a team that nobody's talking about right now, and that is the Miami Heat. They got a big one against the Bucks today, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, to kick off their series. Miami, the only team, Perk, in the East that beat Milwaukee twice this season. Tell me how they got a shot to pull a stunner. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. But when you look at this Miami Heat team, to me, I believe Eric Sposa got the recipe 
Um, he got the mo- he got multiple bodies that he could throw at Giannis. You look at a guy like Jay Crowder that I thought was the steal in that Andre Iguodala trade, and then you got Bam out of the bayou. You got you got uh, Andre Iguodala. You have Jimmy Butler. So they they know they run back, they sprint back in transition, and they load the touch and they take away his driving gaps. And on the offensive end for Miami, they could light it up from the three. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic. All those guys get hot. Even Jay Crowder, who's shooting pretty good right now in the playoffs, over 50%. They could get hot, and that's what Milwaukee give up is three-point shots. They load up the paint, and they make you take three-point three point shots. And that's what Orlando was getting. They just wasn't making them. KP, how significant in the uh, the cross matchups in the Celtics Raptors series be? In um, do they do they naturally favor the Celtics? They do, they do, and I and I got Toronto winning the series. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just if the Celtics get hot, they have too many playmakers. Um, obviously, Jaylen, uh, Jason Tatum is the is the best player on the floor. Uh, the way that he has emerged on both ends is 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 remarkable, right? And then you have Jalen Brown, and then you just got Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker leadership is 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 like on another level right now. He had a career high in postseason, ten dimes yesterday, and when you have those three guys and they're on. Two of those guys got to be on. It's a problem, you know. Toronto collectively. They, they, you know, you got Pascal Siakam, you have Van Fleet, but they do it collectively. They, they, one of those three guys, literally, especially JT and Kim, but they could take over a game and go for forty plus. Perk, isn't that one of the things that con- concerns you a little bit about Toronto? You and I have talked about this multiple times yeah. on the phone. You know, we, we ever, obviously last year having Kawhi, he was their closer. And now the question is for a team that does it collectively, who can step outside that collective and close games? Pascal has been very normal in these playoffs. I don't think there's been one game he shot over 43% from the field, only one maybe. Uh, it, does that concern you a little bit about a star to lead that team? It, it does. It does. And, and the thing is about Pascal is that, I mean, he don't have the flashy game, and and you're right, Jay. I mean, he's averaging 20 points, but he shoots 43% from the field. Uh, the only person that I could see that's that's is two people. Well, you got three people. You you could think Kyle Lowry, right, because he has stepped up in big moments when people thought that he couldn't. And Fred Van Fleet has been, you know, he's been phenomenal throughout these playoffs. But Norman Powell. Right, Norman Powell, and it's crazy that you would have to depend on the six-man candidate, but he had some explosive nights, especially in that first series. But you're right, though, man. I, I mean, that do bothers me. And I, and I said this before, the Toronto Raptors, the way that they play defense reminds me of the 2004 Detroit Pistons, right? The way that they play on the defense of being how stingy they are, how great it is how great they are in, in being ranked number one in guarding the ISO uh, and guarding ISOs and, and ranked number one in the league for its pick and roll defense and pin down defense. They rank number two or three overall. And they remind me of the Detroit Pistons where the Detroit Pistons, they had big shot billups, but they kind of did it collectively also. But you're right though, man. And if they want to go somewhere, Pascal Siakam has to step his game up. 
Perk, when I say the Denver Nuggets, whose team is it? Is it Nikola Jokic's Ooh. team or is it Jamal Murray's team? Man, I, I mean, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, we would have said it was Jokic's team. But right now, the way that Jamal Murray – look, Jamal Murray, right, is is emerging right in front of our eyes, right? He The things that he's doing on that court, we haven't seen since, what, AI and Michael Jordan. So, I mean, right, like right now, you have to give that to Jamal Murray just for the simple fact. The thing is, what I'm watching is he don't get tired. Like, yesterday, mentally, you could tell he lost himself in the game. That, that post-game interview he gave was, was beautiful. You could tell he lost himself in the moment. But he wasn't even tired, man. It's just like he still have enough energy that he could play another game. And when I'm watching it, his motor, his, his mentality, he gives them swag. And like the new generation say, that he gives them that drip. Like, he's that engine. Yes, he puts up the buckets, but I'm watching his energy. I'm watching his passion. And God's feed off of that. So I would probably have to say right now it's Murray's team. KP, you, let's go out west for a minute with the Lakers in Houston. And you look at Houston's offense, obviously they want to shoot the three ball, but we got three bigs in the middle at times with Dwight, obviously JaVale, and AD. What happens in terms of the small ball going up against our three bigs? See, this is this is the tricky part, right? Down here, down there in the bubble, what I've been watching is it's an AU type set. Now, with that being said, we know the Rockets they live and die by the three, and they haven't been playing that well in the bubble. But to answer your question, the way that Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis have been playing, especially AD, I mean. You know, it was doubts, it was questions about whether or not Anthony Davis was a top five player in this league. I don't think we, we could ever question that again. The performance that he's put on, especially against the Trailblazers, you against the number one shot block in the league, Hassan Whiteside. Okay, if you want to put Nurkic on him, he was cooking Nurkic. He gave, Come on, Perk. Don't, he, don't, don't say he, that to me about Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside is so lazy saying, out there, Perk. Saying, <laughs> he didn't steal money. He stole saying, money from I'm, Miami. He's stealing money from Portland now. I'm just saying, Jay Will, I'm just saying they threw multiple bodies at AD, and AD had Harold's fried chicken. He had it his way. Whatever he wanted, he gave it to you in a variety of ways, whether it was in the paint, whether it was step backs, uh, half spins to fadeaways to, to the three-point range. He could not be denied. And, and that's dangerous. And I'm looking at this Houston Rockets series. I'm like, who are you going to put on Anthony Davis? Because nice. going small and just thinking that, you know, and James Harden been phenomenal when he switched on people, but he better not switch on Anthony Davis. You can't put P.J. Tucker on him. You better not put Covington on him. I just don't see nobody stopping A.D., and that's why I give the, the slight edge to the Lakers in that series. Can't wait to watch the games tonight. Miami-Milwaukee, which we talked about with Perk at the top, and then his just comments on the Houston Rockets. They'll try to close out the Thunder at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. Big way to Perk. be on time today, Perk. Way <laughs> to be on. on time today, Perk. Oh, you can't <laughs> talk about, baby. Let's go. Perk, thank you so much. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Monday morning in New York with Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahenti. Let's go A to Z. The Clippers had a huge lead. It was at 23. It ballooned. And then it shrunk to six. Watch out. The Mavs are feeling good. Key said watch out because Kawhi stepped up. Ho-hum. Another 30-10 game for him. 30-plus, 10-plus and the Clips are moving on, Key. Yeah, they are moving on. They're going to take on whoever wins that Utah-Denver series, and we'll see what happens from there. You are a radio professional because up next, Jamal Murray scoring 50. I didn't want to be too passionate about it (laughs) (laughs) because I already know with the Lakers and the Clippers, they're going to run into each other. Mm -hmm. So we're going to run a Game 7 here, Jay Will, Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC to see if Jamal Murray, who you say has now become the face of the Nuggets over Jokic, can have them rally from 3-1 down, win a Game 7 against Utah, and then get Kawhi and company in the next round. Just the way he's been playing, and you know he's been – overshadowing Donovan Mitchell, who's been having an incredible series as well. He had 30-plus points again the other night, but just in a high pick-and-roll scenario, you guys can't see the footage right now, but he has defenders on skates left and right. No doubt. If you want to watch that footage, watch us on ESPN News right now. In a little more than two weeks before the 2020 season begins, a few teams are still trying to settle on a starting quarterback. The most intriguing one, obviously, is in Chicago between the embattled Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, who they acquired in the offseason. But their head coach, Matt Nagy, also under a little bit of pressure now, is not tipping his hand about his starter against Detroit Week 1. With naming a quarterback, that's something internally that we're going to stick to. And But I would say for, for you guys to know, just to save you the questions, that that won't be happening before that game. Yeah, I don't think that's going to stop the media from asking, to be honest with you. Yeah, but, what's, uh, the, what's the whole yeah, point of not naming? Why you got to wait to the right before the game to name a starter? Why like, don't we just call for what it is? It's, you're going to start Trubisky, right? Key, what do you think? Like you're, you're going to start with him. He should start Trubisky and then bench him if it doesn't go well. And then what about and then just roll with Foles because at the end of the day, if you start Foles and then go back to Trubisky and Foles is not playing well, and then Trubisky's not playing well, then you got to go back to Foles. You you want to start with Mitch Trubisky? Give him a game or two or three and see where it goes okay. and then go to Foles because you're going to be done with your Bisky anyway. You didn't even pick up his fifth-year option, so that tells you right there he had, you really don't have plans for him beyond this year as your quarterback. He had no they, – he couldn't, they couldn't have picked it up, right? He didn't earn the right to have that fifth-year extension. Well, it, 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 picking it up doesn't necessarily mean the money's guaranteed. Sure. You can still part ways with him. It's just you, – you, it's against injury. So – they could have picked it up and been fine, but if he gets hurt, you got to pay it. So I think that they just said, you know what, let's see how it goes for him this year and how he plays, and that will determine. Now, I all, I'm all i one to believe that if you're supposed to be this great offensive guru as, as a coach, you should be able to get this quarterback 
to do the things that you need him to do, which is don't put him in a situation where he has to throw the ball 50 times a game. Don't give him things that he can't do. Give him the things that he can. Now, in Matt Nagy's defense, maybe he is giving him stuff (laughs) that he supposedly can do, and he's just not good. Now that goes back to, you passed on Deshaun Watson? You passed on Patrick Mahomes? All, all these thoughts are in my head. Like, those two names as a fan, Keisha, obviously didn't play the amount of years that you did in the NFL, but, like, I, I just have Mahomes and I, and I have Watson in the back of my head. So when you're saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't be throwing you, you know, throwing over 50, you know, passes, like, I'm like, well, look at Deshaun Watson. But you got to know. Patrick Mahomes. They're doing this. This kid was taken ahead of them. It's almost like the yeah, Sam Bowie you, thing with Michael Jordan, right? But Sam Bowie, Sam, okay. Obviously, Michael Jordan, Sam Bowie, different careers. But Sam Bowie got hurt. I mean, he's still I a solid player. Mitch Trubisky's not solid. That's what it's even worse. But, but when you evaluated him, you liked his style more than you liked those other two. So you took him. And by you taking him, they now needed to get a coach in there who's supposed to be this offensive guru he needs to get the offense to start playing and the quarterback to start playing like your reputation is as a quarterback coach. And that hasn't happened. But who gets all the blame is the quarterback. It's very simple. I once was told by a coach, know your personnel. Know your personnel. Know what you have. You don't have to turn him into Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. You could play solid defense, which you have a hell of a defense. You can run the ball, and you can allow him to manage the situation that, and that's how you can win games. You don't have to have him be Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to do those sort of things. And maybe that's who he is as a quarterback. Maybe he's not this guy that you saw in T-shirts and shorts when you evaluated him and thought, wow, he's got a big, strong arm. Maybe so he's key, not that guy. So the question is, how, uh, how long do we continue to give the leash to Matt Nagy? That's what I'm saying. So like, his, bro, bro, I, I well, would how long? Think, I'm asking you how long. I would think the heat is going to turn up depending on what happens at the quarterback spot this year. I would. I, that's what I would think. Remember the last three. Lovey Smith was the best coach they had in mm-hmm. a, a long time, and they let him go after a subpar season, which was ridiculous. And Lovey took him to the Super Bowl. Remember the last three offensive coordinators of the Chiefs? You got Doug Peterson who left on the Super Bowl in Philly. Then you have Matt Nagy who got out to a good start but struggled. And then... Eric Bieniemy is waiting in the oh. wings. The last thing, Jay, I would say, if you're general manager Ryan Pace, you gotta hope Trubisky wins this job because that's your guy, that's your pick. It has to work. There's no other choice, right? I mean, I mean, Nick Foles is your other choice, but I mean, it gets to a certain point. That's that's a poor reflection on your organization. But even Nick Foles, who understands the system and knows the system because he's been around these guys, whether it was the Eagles or Kansas City, so it's kind of the same system. He ain't the best quarterback. No. Okay, he, he gives you a few games here and there and some excitement, and that's what you got. So you're basically working with two backups right now. And Foles is coming off the broken collarbone. Still to come, broken spirit for Luka. They've been eliminated, but the future blindingly bright. Who do they need to add? Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. 
Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.